what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. For organizations looking to enhance their customer relationships, this is Stepping Up Service. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Stepping Up Service. This is our show here on The Mesh, where we talk about the world of customer service, working with clients, resolving issues, and doing so in a customer service-friendly way, uh, something that we know is very important for many businesses today. And it is something that is changing over time, as we've talked about in many of our past episodes, as we're dealing with more online, more uh, social media-driven customer service efforts. It's an ever-evolving uh, ever-evolving world for us, and we want to have this show together to talk you through some ways to make sure your business is keeping that same focus on its customer service efforts. I'm Alan Jackson with the Jackson Group, a management consulting and survey services firm here in North Carolina, and with me is my usual partner in crime talking about this these issues, and that is Ed Gagnon with Customer Service Solutions. Ed, how are you doing? I'm doing great today. How are you doing, Alan? Doing fine. Uh, Ed is Good. joining us through the magic of Skype once again. So uh, just uh, ignore if there's some occasional little uh, blips or pauses. Uh, Skype is our friend today. We are being very nice to it. And so hopefully it will keep us with a good connection the rest of our conversation. So, Ed, I am uh, – I can't say – excited is not the word for today's topic because I will, I will go ahead and tell you um, – <laughs> I'm interested, I guess it's more of the word, uh, because we are going to talk about golf a little bit in relation to customer service. Um, I will go ahead and say right off the bat, I am not a golfer. Um, I grew up half of my life living on a golf course, so it would seem that I would be a natural fit for a golfer, but I was always more of the tennis guy. I never played golf. Uh, actually, the one time I played golf uh, was with a girl I was dating back in high school, and she was very, very good at golf. And so that was very frustrating to me, and I immediately gave up and decided I was never going to play again. So that's kind of my background with golf. So I may be asking you a lot of questions about golf terms and things that you're throwing out, but I'm going to ask you, uh, why are we talking about golf first off, and, and kind of what does it have to do with customer service? Okay, well, uh, n- nice question, and, and uh, sorry to hear that you're not a golfer, but believe me, you don't have to be a golfer to, to appreciate this particular episode. Okay, good, good. Uh, well, then I'm a little more service. excited about it now, so yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, we're just going to have fun. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm a golfer. I, I grew up playing in North Dakota, actually, uh, when I was in elementary school. And in North Dakota, because the weather was so bad at the time, I don't know if it's still this way, but they actually had sand greens at oh. the course that we played. So oh, I wow. loved eight or nine miles from the Canadian border. And after you'd, you'd putt on a putting green, you'd actually take a rake and you would rake the putting green. So uh, I, <laughs> wow. I go way, way back uh, okay. when it comes to playing golf. And, and uh, I, I just love golf analogies. I think it's a, it's a great sport, great sport for analogies as well. Uh-huh. Uh, but but you'll you'll be able to enjoy this and, and appreciate the tips even if you're not a golfer. Well, now I guess also from a timeliness standpoint, uh, my understanding is there's some large golfing event going on starting today, the day of the recording. Is that correct? And me saying that? Yes, the large event is the Masters. Okay, good. And, All right. Uh, yeah. I have heard of that. Yes. <laughs> yes. Good. So, so if you've heard of Jack or Arnie or Phil or Tiger or uh, Gary Player, all those different folks, uh, then this is the place where so many of them have uh, made uh, a large part of their name. It's uh, at Augusta National and the Masters. Great. Good. Well, then it's perfect timing then. I think the, uh, the world has got a little golf, golf fever right now on TV with the Masters tournament going on. So it seems like a good time to let's incorporate – a, a, an episode dealing with golf and how it relates to customer service. So there again, how, uh, how does golf relate to customer service? What's the analogy here, Ed? Well, well th- that's, uh, th- that's interesting from my perspective because when I think about golf, my, my first reaction is golf is tough. Uh, it's a crazy sport. I think it's the toughest sport out there. And, and just think about it this way. If somebody said to you, I'm going to give you a stick mm-hmm. that is three to four feet long, I'm going to ask you to hold one end of this stick. Uh, and by the way, the other end of the stick is going to be shaped like a, a triangle or the bottom of an iron. Right. Um, and, and I'm going to ask you to, to maybe hit a ball, and it's going to be a round ball with a bunch of dimples in it. That's about 
maybe uh, one and a half to two inches in diameter. Uh, and I want you to hit this ball with this triangle, or if, if we're talking about a wood in golf, you know, hit it with a mallet. Uh, and I want you to swing 100 miles an hour. So I, I want right. you to take one end of this stick with a triangle or, or a mallet at the other end of this three or four foot stick, hit a ball that's less than two inches in diameter, and that ball is going to be sitting on a little twig, you know, this <laughs> golf tee that's maybe about sure. an inch high. And, and I want you to hit that thing about 300 yards down the fairway. I mean, that just sounds crazy. Yes. I mean, how, how do you go about doing this? And oh, by the way, if you're lucky enough to, to hit that little ball with that three or four foot stick 280 yards down the fairway, uh, that one shot will count as much as a little tap-in one-quarter-inch putt you might hit on the green. Ah, I see. Okay. So 280 yards equals the same amount as one-quarter of an inch. So it's a crazy sport, and sometimes customer service, the situations you find yourself in, the kind of customers you have to deal with, uh, it's just crazy as well. So golf really lends itself to a lot of analogies, uh, you know, beginning with the end in mind, Stephen Covey, or customer service, you know, you got to be patient. You got to think about the ultimate goal. Try not to rush. Uh, you know, it's just a great um, analogy uh, for a lot of different things in business and customer service, and for what we're going to be talking about more specifically today. All right, so Ed, so answer me this: If golf is so difficult a sport, and it can relate to some very very difficult customer service experiences, so when I hear of executives or managers going out uh, for the day to play some golf. What they're really saying is we're basically going to go out and, and do the same amount of work and, and, and experience the same frustrations that we would if we had some very, very difficult customer service experiences for the day. So it's really no, yeah. less, it's really no less relaxing for them, in other words. So, right? You know, for the typical uh, golfer, the typical executive or, or who, you know, sales rep or whoever's out playing golf, uh, no, it, it's not necessarily um, – uh, something that's going to give you less frustration than, than a rough day in dealing with customers. But they do say that the worst day playing golf is better than the best day at work. So okay. uh, even with all the frustrations, uh, you know, golf is still a lot of fun. There, there's a the golfer named Calvin Pete who uh, played a lot of golf in the 70s or the 80s. And, and uh, Calvin Pete had uh, broken his arm when he was a child and uh he actually permanently had a bent left arm and they always say in golf you know keep your left arm straight Mm -hmm. Uh, but he wanted to play golf and he played golf professionally for years very successful very straight hitter of the ball Uh, but the very first time he played golf he didn't play until his early 20s and from what i understand in the story he shot 120 125 real high score in golf but he made one birdie and because he made one birdie you know, that uh, all those other shots that he took, all those horrible holes that he had didn't matter because there was that one great experience that that makes you come back for more and more and more, even if uh, the coming back for more means dealing with more frustration down the road. Because uh, golf, even though it can be very frustrating, it's also very, very rewarding, too. So in other words, that one positive experience, even if it was couched by 17 other negative experiences, made it worth his while, made it something he wanted to come back and tackle again. Exactly. Okay, great. Well, I think that's a perfect setup for then what we're talking about. Now, let's, you know, when I think of the things that most people consider to be the most frustrating when it comes to customer service or probably trying to resolve complaints for people that have their own frustrations and you're trying to counter them, you're trying to rectify them. That that sounds like to me the most... (laughs) perfect analogy of what could be those frustrations in golf uh, when you've got these things that you're trying to figure out you're having to deal with and it's a very specific example or specific situation and it may be very very frustrating to deal with that sounds like to me resolving complaints and customer service so so why don't we kind of focus in on that um, how does resolving complaints what are what are the analogies and what how can we you know compare that to uh, the idea of scoring in golf Okay. Uh, well, we're going to talk about that. I, th- I think that's a, a great way to look at it. We'll, we'll talk about, let's say, seven keys to resolving customer complaints like you score in golf. So okay. I'll, I'll go through the first couple just to kind of give you a feel for how golf resolving complaints in a customer service situation. Uh, let's start by thinking about golf this way. Okay. It, it's easier to score if you've played the course before. So you, hmm. let's say you know it's a course that's has a lot of sand traps that you're going to be hitting into, or you know it's a course where you're going to have a lot of 20, 30, 40 foot putts, or you know it's a course that's 
uh, a course that you're going to be hitting irons off the tee instead of your long driver, which drives me crazy. You know, to play a course where you where you can't hit the big stick, you got to hit irons off the tees, even on par fours and par fives. Yeah, so I know if, exactly if you what know you mean. What that's no, like. I don't, actually, I don't really. But Wait, go ahead. Well, let's say this way: if you know what it's like, if you know what the course is going to be like, you know you're going to find yourself in the sand a lot. Then what you want to do is to practice hitting sand shots prior to the round. Okay. Uh, if you know you're going to have a lot of long putts, you don't want to just be practicing one foot, two foot putts. You want to be practicing the 20, 30, 40 foot putts so, so that you have a feel for what the greens are going to be like. Or if you know you're going to hit a lot of irons off the tee, you want to be practicing the irons. So the key here is it's easier to score if you played the course before. Well, well, it's easier to score well in resolving complaints uh, if you – have dealt with these situations before, if you've practiced them before, if you've dealt with these kind of scenarios before. So that's the first tip when you're resolving complaints is to practice, do the role plays, uh, do, do these different scenarios with coworkers and, and say if a customer comes in and this is their situation or this is how they are emotionally, practice that so you get used to, to dealing with those kind of situations. I see. So in other words, it could be a situation where if if through experience we know that we typically get a complaint about this particular aspect of our product or service, then maybe you can set up some role-playing or practicing resolving how you would resolve those types of complaints in the future. Right. Put it through a real-world situation, kind of figure out how you would respond, make notes about what you did to, res- to respond to it, and kind of get practiced on it so that when the situation does come up, you're already on top of it. You know how to ex- what, how to respond and what to expect. Exactly. And yeah. the more knowledgeable you are, the more practiced you are, you're, you're going to be more confident. And yes. the customer's going to see that confidence. And that confidence breeds comfort, which helps you emotionally in dealing with those tough situations. So the more you practice, the more you get used to those conversations, the more confident and comfortable you're going to be as well. Well, Ned, I can, I can tell you offhand, I know from, from experiences I've had, I'm sure everybody else has too, it's very obvious when you're talking to someone, whether it's over the phone or over the counter or something, if you're talking to someone and you, and you have a complaint, you voice a concern, I can almost tell right away whether that person is well prepared to handle that complaint or not. Uh, you know, if they answer very confidently and quickly and they have a very clear answer, the impression to me is they know what they're talking about. They've handled this kind of situation before. They were ready to handle this complaint as opposed to kind of fumbling and having to think through things and not being very quick with a response. Sounds like to me someone who didn't really practice for that situation very much. Yeah, and that's a great example because if they are saying, um... Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, they're they're making those kind of stumbles. They, there's long pauses. All of a sudden, you start to think: Does this person really know what's going on, or, or, or are they really comfortable? Is this person going to be helpful to me, or do I need to be asking for a manager at that point? So, sure. you know, part of it is obviously practicing, and the more they practice, they they gain more confidence, they gain more comfort, and they come across much more. Uh, uh, in tune with, with what that customer is and, and what they need to do to help resolve that issue. Perfect. All right. So we want people to practice and train on the course or in this situation on what the appropriate response would be for one of these uh, typical complaints that they can uh, they can go ahead and forecast. Sure. Okay, great. Uh, yeah, and, the, and the second key somewhat relates to that. I mean, in golf, each hole is different in its length or its shape. You could have four par threes, which are holes that are typically under 200 yards. They're holes that you hit an iron off the tee and and you're supposed to be able to to putt into the hole and two more shots. So it's a par three, which means it should take you three shots to get there. But but even with par threes, some are over water, some aren't. Some are 180 yards, some are 150. Some are uphill, some are down. uh, and, And the greens are always different. So in golf, you have to realize that each hole is different, and therefore it plays differently, and you have to look at it differently. And, and it's the same thing with resolving complaints. Even though you might have two different customers back-to-back on the telephone complaining about the same thing, they're, they're complaining about the quality of a product or, or they're, they're left a message for somebody and they haven't heard back – don't view each one of those customers as being exactly the same. Uh, try to see each customer as having a unique situation. Maybe there is something unique about 
when they called or the topic they called or their emotional state at that point or uh, are they in a rush or not. So, so don't assume that just because uh, th- there is a complaint that is somewhat similar that, that the situations are the exact same. Try to see each customer is having a unique situation just like each hole is unique in and of itself. Okay, so no cookie-cutter approach for handling these complaints, even though number step number one is telling people to practice on some of the more common ones and get well-versed in them. Sure. Don't just automatically assume, though, that the exact same situation is going to apply to every person with that complaint. Still yep. listen to their needs, listen to their situation, and find out how you need to adjust your answer a little bit to reflect that need. That's exactly right. We, we were actually interviewed several years ago for a human resource executive magazine, and, and we were interviewed because they were looking at a case study where uh, automotive service stations, it was a chain, uh, had decided they wanted to be more customer service friendly to compete with, with different auto retailers and uh, or, or service organizations, the actual car dealerships who provide service. And they said they noticed that a lot of uh, these competitors of theirs would allow the customers to go back uh, into uh, the service area and talk to the technicians. So mm-hmm. they decided to run all their technicians through customer service training. And basically the way the training was laid out, if the customer asks about A, you say B. If the customer asks about C, you say D. Very scripted way of addressing it. And those technicians practiced it. They got very good at it. But but the program was an utter failure. And the reason why it was an utter failure was because these uh, technicians were, were so focused on the script. Mm-hmm. Uh, if customer says A, they say B, that if the customer deviated from that script, then at that point, the, the employee didn't know what to do. Right. And it's the same thing here. Uh, the, the first tip says you got to practice, practice, practice. But the second tip says you, know, you need to have some flexibility in there. You need to know how to handle different situations that the customer's in because even though the employee might know the script, the customer doesn't. Okay. Good point. Good point. And there again, taking it back to the golf analogy, you know, until you really are comfortable with not only the course, but realizing that there's going to be some variations and things that are going to adjust from, from, uh, from hole to hole, you've got to be prepared to be able to accommodate those adjustments and, and roll with it and know which way you need to go with things. Yeah. Yeah. Great summary. Okay. Great. Uh, So what's a, what's a third, what's a third, uh, way to relate resolving complaints to, to golf? Well, the third uh, has a little bit of a Stephen Covey uh, uh, lean toward it. Uh, it says, holes are best to play when the shot positioning is thought through from the pin backward to the tee. So, so think of it this way. Uh, Alan, you're, you're, you're all of a sudden finding yourself playing a round of golf with Jack Nicholas, And uh, you've actually played some now, Alan. You know, you, you've gone well, out and so. you've played a bunch, <laughs> you've taken lessons, and you're getting pretty good. Congratulations. I'm not just so, carrying his equipment or anything. I'm actually playing with him, you're saying? You're so. actually on the tee wow. with Jack Nicholas at Augusta. Okay. Pretty exciting stuff. Yeah. Are you nervous? <laughs> Oh, well, yeah, considering I don't know what I'm doing, sure, yes, I'm extremely <laughs> nervous. But, yeah, sure, absolutely, it, uh, that would be very intimidating. Yeah, well, what you're trying to do is, even though you're nervous, you, you want to keep your wits about you, and you want to make sure that, that you're doing whatever you can to make sure you're going to play this hole correctly. And this hole is a par four, which means it should take you two shots to get on the green. Which now, means the way you, I, always triple, I always triple the numbers to show what I would probably actually get. So I guess that uh, means it's about 12 shots for me then. So Okay. Well, 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 that's a good number. We'll stop you at nine just to kind of keep the round going so good. you can finish before it gets dark and Jack doesn't get too frustrated. Right, but, yes, I don't uh, want to frustrate Jack. So Yeah, yes, we'll, okay. we'll, we'll let you pick up at nine. How does that sound? That sounds good. Yes. Yeah. And when you're playing the par four, the idea is that you don't want to just say, okay, I'm going to hit whatever club I want to hit off the tee, and then I'll see where the ball lies, and I'll just go hit whatever – is necessary to try to get to the green. The way you actually play a hole in golf is you say, all right, if it's a par four, I'm I'm in theory going to hit two shots to get to the green. So when I'm standing on the tee, before I hit my first shot, I have to ask myself, where do I want to be hitting my second shot from? Hmm. Do I want to be in the left side of the fairway, uh, the center or the right side of the fairway to go to the green? Do I want to be as far as I can down the fairway, or do I actually want to hit back a little bit, not hit too far because it's an easier shot uh, if I'm back a little bit further in the fairway. So when you're actually playing a hole, 
before you hit your tee shot, you want to know where do you want that tee shot to end, to stop. So you're, you're almost like Stephen Covey would say, I'm beginning with the end in mind. I am starting this whole knowing where do I want to be on the green, where do I want to be after my tee shot before I ever hit the first shot. So and, have, and it's the have, same way when you're dealing with complaints. When you're dealing with complaints, you, you want to know how you want the conversation to end before you want it to begin. You're much more confident in navigating these difficult conversations to a conclusion if you kind of have that mental image of how do I want this conversation to end? Well, uh, I want the customer by the end of the conversation to be nodding to what I'm saying. I want their emotional mm-hmm. level to be down. Right. I want them to be uh, working with me to complete this form, and I want them to state back to me their understanding of what the next steps are. I mean, if you have this mental image of how you want the conversation to end, it's a lot easier vision. But if you don't have any understanding of how you want the conversation to end, you're just going to be going like a, a ping pong ball going back and forth, back and forth without mm-hmm. any particular goal in mind. So when you're resolving complaints – know how you want the conversation to end before you begin. So you can go ahead you go ahead and kind of set it, like you said, with the goal in mind. If you know what the ultimate goal is, kind of thinking backwards from that, what steps am I going to have to get to step-by-step uh, step to get to that end goal, as opposed exactly. to just you know, t- no, teeing off the first shot and just seeing where it goes. And then you got to keep readjusting your strategy every single step to try to bend yourself back to that goal, right? Exactly. Okay. And I, yeah, and it- I'm going to go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I actually uh, know something. My brother actually does some uh, uh, teaching on some things uh, regarding sports psychology and working with the idea of kind of pre-visualizing a game, like a match Mm -hmm. of tennis before you even play it. The idea of being there, you, you already foreseeing what you want the end result of that game to be like and how you want a point to play out. So then you can kind of work backwards mentally and you already know the steps that are needed to get there. So it's kind of already thinking through your game before you play the game. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and that's what you want to do. It's a lot easier to uh, make that vision a reality if you actually have the vision in the first place. Uh, so, so you want to make sure you have an understanding of how do I want this conversation to end? And then what you're trying to do at that point is just drive that conversation in an appropriate way toward that vision. Okay. Very interesting. So, so having the goal in mind of how you want that complaint resolution to end, what you want the end result to be. And then that way it becomes very easy or much easier for you to direct all of your actions towards that goal as opposed to just letting it kind of go in all different directions and you don't know where it's going to end up. So, exactly. Right. Great. What's the, what's the fourth tip you've got for us? Well, if you're driving the ball poorly off the tee, you're going to be scrambling all day long. I mean, if, if you hit the driver and it goes into the woods, it goes into the water, you know, it goes into the pine needles, uh, you're going to have a tough time scoring. So that first shot that you hit on a golf hole has a huge impact on how well you're going to be playing that day. And, and it's mm-hmm. the same thing uh, when you're dealing with complaints. If you don't have an appropriate response right off the bat they they start complaining to you and and you're looking at the computer and you're not really disengaged from the computer or they're talking to you and you have long pauses up front or they're talking to you and you're not conveying any empathy you're not listening well you're not conveying your understanding right up front then that emotion of theirs is going to stay high or it's going to get hotter and hotter and hotter and it's really going to make the entire situation that much more difficult. So you want to make sure that you start right off on the bat appropriately. You're listening up front, you're conveying empathy, and you are 100% focused on the person in front of you or on the phone with you. So, so with that first initial, let's say back to the golf analogy, that first sure. initial swing, because that first swing, that, that first tee off is, is the one where you're going to have your biggest club, you're going to go for your biggest shot, you're going to go try to go the furthest distance. It's also the one that's the most critical. Like you said, that if you're off, it's going to put you the most off of any other shot you may have. Yeah, that, that's a that's a great way to look at it. I mean, sure, you don't play a lot of golf because you're really good at this. Well, I, I watch a little TV and okay. I watch a lot of golf movies. So oh. I got to get from that. So. <laughs> that's great. I really like 10 Cups great. So uh, anyway. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've watched that many times. <laughs> um, and that, that's a great way to look at it. I mean, if a drive goes 300 yards and you're off – 20% yeah. of the direction you wanted to go, you miss hit that by 60 yards. That's the, that's the typical tee shot if you can hit the ball that far. But if you're chipping on a green and, and you're chipping and you're uh, maybe about 10 paces uh, from the hole, that's about 30 feet, and you're off by 20%, you're off by six feet. 
So when you're hitting the driver, you're off 20%. You're 60 yards off center. You're in the woods. Uh, if you chip and you're off 20%, you still have a six-footer to make. So it, it's something that's much more manageable. So it's that initial gonna, response it's, yeah, it's not gonna uh, when you're in the hose your game. Yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say it's not going to completely hose your game later on in that hole to be a little off with your shot. But that first shot you're off, you could be really off. Yeah. Exactly. And they call that scrambling in golf. When, when you put yourself in trouble right off the tee and now you're just scrambling to get a par, there's no way you're going to get a birdie. There's no way you're going to come in at one under for that particular hole. So you are just scrambling for a par. And it's the same thing. If you screw up right off the bat when you're dealing with somebody who's irate, they're upset, they have a complaint, you're going to find yourself just scrambling during the rest of that conversation. Well, that's very true. That is that first impression bit and that first response, that first uh uh, set of words you say when somebody has that complaint, that's what they're going to hang on to a lot longer than you probably want them to. And uh, if you make that first bad step, you know, no matter how gloriously you try to accomplish the rest of that conversation, unfortunately, it's going to take a lot more work to get them away from that first step. It's going to make it's going to take even more work to get them to forget about the way that that problem initially started being resolved. So that's right. Uh, yeah. yeah. If they, if they think you're in a fight with them right off the bat, or they think you're not paying attention right off the bat, or if they think you're not focused right off the bat, uh, it, you're putting yourself in, in, in deep water at that point. But, uh, if you come across like you're understanding or empathizing, you're, you're focused on them it puts yourself in a much better position for the rest of that conversation. Great. Good. Okay. So we got four, four great tips down. We're going to take a very, very quick break and we come back. We'll wrap up with the last three. Again, this is stepping up service. We are talking about how to resolve complaints like you scoring golf. Uh, talking about the analogies because so far they're pretty spot on. It seems like there's a lot of connection points with these two topics. So with that, uh, I'm Alan Jackson, Ed Gagnon for Custer Service Solutions. We'll be back in just a moment. We'll get back to your show in a moment. Just a reminder, you're listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Find out more at themesh.tv and give us feedback on what you like. And now, as promised, back to your show. Hi, and welcome back to Stepping Up Service. Again, I'm Alan Jackson with Ed Gagnon. Ed Gagnon is with Customer Service Solutions. Uh, remind me the website on that, Ed. That is cssamerica.com. Is that correct? That. That's correct, Alan, CSSamerica.com. Great. If people want to learn a little bit more about Ed and the kind of work that he does with organizations all over the place on customer service and implementing a better customer service culture within a workplace. Uh, And I'm with the Jackson Group where we are conducting customer and patient and employee satisfaction surveys for a lot of organizations as well. Well, let's get back to our topic here where we're talking about resolving complaints like you score in golf. We've already covered four points. Uh, Let's go ahead and get to our fifth one. What's your fifth tip for resolving complaints, much like how we play golf? Well, the the fifth point says, you know, sometimes in golf you have what are called blind shots. Now, now what that means, Alan, is let's say you're You're in a fairway. You're, you're 150 yards from the green, and there's a big hill in front of you. So you cannot see the green. You cannot see the flag. Oh, That's see. called a blind shot. I got you. Okay. So, so there's no, when there's no blindfolding blind involved in golf. Is that the deal? So you, you're, that's not like a part of the game I've never seen on TV, right? What's that now? Yeah, so, so there's no blindfolding involved in golf. It, it, it's, uh, I didn't know if that was a part of the game I've never seen on TV before, so. Uh, uh, no, those, those could be special games you play with your buddies when your wives are out of town and, <laughs> and uh, you have a few beverages in the cart. But uh, no, you don't typically blindfold when you play golf, but that, that actually could be quite fun. That actually does sound really fun. You've kind of got me interested in that aspect of golf now. So. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, sorry. So, so there are blind shots in golf. I get that. Things where you can't see where you're necessarily trying to get the ball to because exactly. of some physical uh, obstruction or the layout of the land or something. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, so you might think you know the right club to hit to the green uh, based on where you are in the fairway, but you don't really know what the situation is until you at least walk up that hill and you look down at the green. That might mean you have to walk up 50 yards and take a peek and see what the green looks like, and you determine, well, is the green surrounded by traps or water? Can I run the ball up onto the green, or do I need to fly the ball and have it land on the green? Uh, so these are blind shots, and 
until you walk up to the fairway, uh, walk up the fairway and you can see the green, your target until you do that is not very clear. Well, it's the same thing oftentimes when you're resolving complaints. Uh, If you just don't know the full picture, but you make an assumption, you can run into trouble and you do not want to make a quick assumption uh, when it comes to resolving complaints. Kind of like uh, one of the tips we mentioned earlier, if they have a complaint and you make a quick assumption that, oh, this is just a complaint about a return, I'm going to go ahead and send them to uh, the group that deals with returns, uh, all of a sudden you might have made an assumption that's incorrect. Maybe they were calling about a return, but their complaint is really about the fact that nobody has followed up with them. It's a return mm-hmm. that was already requested three weeks ago, and the complaint is not about the return, but it's about the lack of responsiveness. And, and maybe you make an assumption that they want to report a return, but they already reported that two to three weeks ago, so maybe they have a ticket number, or maybe they have a, an issue uh, number that, that you can get from them to, to check on the status of it. So in this tip, there are blind shots in golf. There there, there could be blinders uh, that you could put on as well when you're dealing with complaints. Take off the blinders. Ask enough questions. Don't make assumptions up front. I see. Okay, good, very good point. So, so just ask the questions just like you would in golf. You'd go ahead and walk the path and find out what's ahead of you. Ask the questions before you just you know hit the ball in a general direction hoping that it's going to get where you need it to go. So. That's exactly right. Don't jump to those quick conclusions. Don't make the assumptions. Dig deep. Find out all the details you need to find out so when you're resolving it, you can resolve the need, uh, the issue the first time. Great. Wonderful. All right. What about number six? What do we have for well, number six number, tip? Number, number six and number seven, they, they tie in together, and it, it's about collaborating with coworkers. Number six talks about the fact that it's a lot more fun playing golf with buddies than playing by yourself. I mean, sometimes playing golf by yourself works out all right. You can practice different parts of the game, but it's a lot more fun playing golf. If you have different buddies, uh, you you can chit-chat while you're playing. You you just enjoy the experience together. And and when you're resolving complaints, you also don't want to get into the situation where you feel like you're out there on an island. It's me against the customer. It's this battle. I have no resources to draw on. Instead of doing that, collaborate with coworkers on the response. I mean, if you have a need uh, to, to learn a little bit more about what you can do to resolve a complaint or you're having difficulty relating to this person or they're not listening to you or you're, you're having difficulty getting their emotional level down, then make sure that you're bringing in coworkers appropriately to help you deal with this issue, to deal with this complaint. It is absolutely fine to do that. It's not a sign of weakness to go ask for help. It's a sign of strength that, that you're willing to do what you need to do to help the customer to get their issue resolved. Well, you just hit on something really important there about the about it not being a sign of weakness to ask for help when you're handling a customer service situation. I know some people think that. They, they think, well, if I've got to go and tell this person over the phone that I'm going to have to go get somebody else to help me with this, uh, it can sound bad. But honestly, from a consumer standpoint and situations I've been in, when I hear that customer service representative tell me, that they're going to go collaborate or talk to another person to see what ideas they can come up with. That's actually reassuring to me. That's actually a sign to me that, you know what, they're willing to step outside of their general comfort zone and go find some other assistance because they desperately want to help my situation out. Uh, I, I appreciate that. I, I wholeheartedly encourage that. I don't see that as any sign of weakness whatsoever. Yeah, and that's great. And a lot of that weakness feeling is internal because like you say, from the external perspective, from the customer perspective, if they understand that you're not just bringing in a coworker to, to get this phone call off their desk, but you're bringing in a coworker because this coworker is the person who can truly help to resolve this issue, then they appreciate that. They're like, okay, now – uh, I'm dealing with uh, not only the, the person who's in front of me, but I'm dealing with a coworker, and, and together they, they care enough about my issue that they're going to work together to resolve it. And I would think, too, that it's not even just situations where it's a real-time customer service experience where you're talking to somebody on the phone or maybe an online chat and you're trying to resolve a problem. Uh, this can apply just as much to maybe larger problems that are not based on an individual phone call, but something – that you need to get some other mind power behind in between experiences. So in other words, you, you've noticed that you've been having to deal with the same kind of complaint several times in a row, you know, take some time to collaborate with other members in your team to say, how can we prevent this from happening in the future? How do we need to better handle this? 
So it doesn't have right. to always just be that one, one, uh, one at a time example when you're actually dealing with a problem. It can be troubleshooting larger problems with a more of a collaborative team. Get some more input in from people that uh, may know it better than you do. Yeah, and that, that's a great point. That's a strategic way to look at complaints and to look at customer issues. And that would probably be a great topic for a future podcast as well because the, the idea that we're talking about here is how do you resolve that complaint when it's in front of you? But the, what you're suggesting is how, how do you, we try to make sure that we never have this complaint again? That's right. And th- that's what you want to be focusing on when you get those different situations where you're hearing the same complaint over and over and over again, what can organizations do to try to eliminate the root cause of those problems so their their employees don't have to deal with those issues in the future? Now, you mentioned the number six and number seven were kind of related. What uh, what do you mean by that? What's number seven? Well, well, number seven says it's easier to score well in a new golf course if you're playing with someone familiar with the course. So, uh, Alan, when you start playing four or five times a week and, and you're out there and all your free time that I'm sure you have, you're getting out there with your buddies, uh, it's a lot easier to play the golf courses if you have somebody who can say now this is a hole where you just want to hit an iron off the tee otherwise you're going to hit it too far and be in the water or this is a hole where the green breaks right to left even though it doesn't look like it breaks right to left so you're going to want to make sure that that you're putting it a little further up to the right than you think and this is a hole where you want to avoid the sand trap at all costs because if you hit into this trap it'll easily take you two to three shots to get out of it so if you play a, a golf course with somebody who has played it before, it makes it a lot easier on you to make the right decisions as you go through the process. Well, it's the same thing with resolving complaints. I mean, there are certain people in your organization, I'm sure, who are experts on a certain product that a customer might be complaining about, or they're experts Mm -hmm. on billing if you get uh, billing complaints, or they're experts on certain processes that your customers have to work through. And if you can, as an organization or even as an individual, identify who are these subject matter experts that I can bring in on these certain topics, product-wise, process-wise, system-wise, et cetera, uh, if you can identify who those subject matter experts are, then you know when you get a complaint that is specific to one of these areas, you know you can bring these more experienced people in or these subject matter experts in to help with those particular types of complaints. Okay, great. That makes that makes really good sense. So, so already kind of knowing in advance who some of the more experienced people are for certain areas of complaints – uh, maybe if it's a new employee joining an organization that's going to be primarily dealing with certain type of customer service experiences, go ahead and maybe partner them up a little bit or have some time to brainstorm or feed off of some of the people who have dealt with that kind of experience a lot more to get a little bit of that history, a little bit of some background ideas, um, using almost like a, almost a little bit of a mentoring situation on certain specific uh, requests and needs. Yes, it can be mentoring related for new hires. It can be uh, contact resource listings for just people who are in that kind of customer service uh, employee mode and, and they know that these are the people I can contact about these particular types of issues. Or it could be even more structural where it's it's formally known that if you – have certain needs. This is who you bring in when this particular question is asked or when a, uh, an employee gets to the point where they cannot uh, go beyond uh, a certain level of, of investigation or, or, or of understanding. They know when you get to this point where you cannot help the, the customer beyond this point, this is when you bring in this more experienced individual, this subject matter expert to help with these issues. So there's a lot of ways you can do it. But the idea is that we very intentionally identify and know up front who are these experts, who are these most ex- more experienced folks, and how do I bring them in at certain points during these difficult conversations. Great, great, good, very good point. And I guess back to golf again, the idea, like you said, of you know, it's very similar to being able to take people on the course with you that can kind of talk you through what to expect um, instead of you just going in flying solo and trying to figure out a, a, a hole all on your own the very first time out. So. Exactly. Great. So seven points, seven tips on how to resolve complaints, much like how you would score in golf. And, you know, Ed, they all made sense. Even though I'm not the biggest golfer in the world, 
Uh, I, I followed them all. I think they made sense to me. I'm definitely more interested in golf now, now that I know that there may be a blindfolding, drinking type of option <laughs> to play. So uh, that may be something I may have to check out this weekend. Not be surprised if I follow up with you on that one. So <laughs> Okay, yeah, I'll be anxious to hear how it went <laughs> and uh, if there were any injuries during the course well, of the yeah. round. So uh, definitely fill me in uh, if you get out there. <laughs> okay, I will do, absolutely. Well, Ed, thanks so much for that information. Now, now what we normally like to do with ending the show, and, and I hope uh, hope you've got a, a story in mind for this, as I do. Uh, we like to share some recent customer service experiences. We normally try to balance it out to where we have one good, one bad between us. Eh, sometimes we both are happy, go lucky, and give two good ones. Sometimes we're both in a pretty foul mood and give two bad ones. I don't know. Do you, do you have a Do you have a bad one for us this week or this month? Yes, my mine is definitely bad. Well, good. I've got a I've got a nice short good one to give, so this should balance out very nice. So uh, go ahead and give me this very very bad situation, uh, customer service wise that you recently experienced. Okay. Well, th- this is actually golf related. Uh, not that yours needs to be, but mine uh, just tying in with the theme today is golf related. I actually. Uh, uh, as part of my daughter's uh, spring break, my wife and I, my daughter, went to visit uh, my in-laws, and I played golf a couple times, and it was the first time, and I don't know how long since I played, uh, and so it was nice to get out there and play, and the first day that we played, uh, there was a sign on the cart mm-hmm. that said, when you're getting ready to finish number nine, you're going to swing by the clubhouse, and the sign on the cart said, call ahead and order your food so that you can go ahead and run into the clubhouse, get it immediately. You don't have to wait at all, and you can go on to the 10th tee. So I thought this was great. Well, the name of this story is The Perk That Wasn't. So even though I thought it would be great, it wasn't great. So I called the person on the phone, middle of the ninth fairway. Uh, I, I made my greeting. I explained what I wanted to do, and then there was just dead silence for three or four seconds after I said my name, and I said I'd like to place a order. And then the gentleman on the phone said, well, go. Oh, boy. And uh, I went, oh, okay. Well, I guess he was disturbed by my silence after I told him what I wanted to do. Uh, so I made my order, a couple hot dogs, a couple bags of chips, and, and uh, uh, two uh, sport drinks, and there was silence. Mm-hmm. And then he asked me to repeat it, and I repeated it, and there was silence. Mm-hmm. And then he said, well, what's your name? I said, Ed, and there was silence. And then I said, are you still there? <laughs> and I heard some garbled information and then the call ended. And I thought, well, that was odd, oh, no. you know, but, uh, you know, I gave my order and he wanted my name and, and all that kind of thing. So I didn't think much of it. Well, I went inside the clubhouse at the turn and there was a lady uh, standing behind the bar. And I said, hi, I'm here. Uh, I'm Ed. I'm here to pick up my order. And she said, what order? And I said, well, I called in my order uh, just about 10, 10, 15 minutes ago and here to pick it up. And she said, I don't, I don't know about any order. She talked to a friend of hers, uh, a coworker, and she said, I don't know about the order. She said, well, who did you order it from? And I said, I don't know his name, but it was a gentleman, and, and I called him about 10, 15 minutes ago. So she went in the back, and then she came out a few seconds later, and she said, well, that was Anthony. He didn't take the order because he couldn't hear you. Oh, great. There was dead silence. And I said, okay, well, can we order now? And she said, oh, yeah, sure. And she did a great job of filling the order and meeting the need. Uh, and we got our food and we went off to the next tee. Yeah. But it was one of these situations where uh, the, the person asked for my order. I repeated the order. He asked, uh, and there was long periods of dead silence. Yes. And he didn't address me well up front when he said, well, go. He, it wasn't even a nice way to ask for the order. <laughs> yeah, that's generally not the way you want to be addressed. But yeah, okay. No. <laughs> and then I went in, when I went in to get the order, he didn't come out to apologize himself for, for not uh, having the order. He didn't give me that kind of FaceTime. He basically just sent this other person back out here to tell me that he couldn't hear me uh, as if it was the employee who was frustrated and he was blaming the customer. And wow. even the, the employee who did help me had a long period of silence after she said he couldn't hear you and that's why I didn't take your order. So it was one of these situations where it was a perk. It was supposed to make life easy and quick. And instead, it, it turned out to be the worst part of my entire experience that day. Sure. And it's one of these situations where if you're offering a perk, you want to make sure that, that it's something that is going to be beneficial to the customer. Uh, if you're frustrated as an employee, you don't want to blame the customer for the situation, especially since it wasn't the customer's fault. You don't want to take out your frustration on the customer. Be patient. Try to avoid long periods of dead silence apologize and give the customer some face time when you're dealing with uh, complaints or, or issues 
uh, to different customer service situations. Well, and even going a step backwards on that one, Ed, I mean, if, if you start to feel like there is a perk or a benefit or an offer that's out there for people to see and you don't think you can fulfill it every time with a great customer service experience, take the signs down and don't offer it. Uh, that is the truth. Yeah, because the minute you put it up there, you are building an expectation. You're, you're the one telling us you can do this. We're not requesting something that you haven't told us you could do. So right away, you are putting yourself in a position to where you better be able to fulfill that request. And if you can't every single time with a good experience, don't offer it until you're ready to start doing that. Um, yeah, and when we played golf the next day, uh, people asked us if we played, and we said yes, and they said, how was And we said, oh, the course was great and this or that, but. And yeah. then we led into the story about – uh, the perk that wasn't. So that's that bad word of mouth about something that you're trying to do uh, as a special feature. And instead it turns out to be a negative uh, about the experience and negative word of mouth. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's, that is very frustrating. And, and it's a shame too, that, you know, a day of golf, which, you know, obviously there's, there's, you know, several hours of the day spent golfing, but a five minute encounter or situation in the middle of the day, can really put a damper on the whole day, can really sour your experience. And that's something we need to remember dealing with customers is that, you know, it could be that 90, 95% of what we provided was awesome, but that five to 10%, if we screw up and we screw up pretty badly, that's what people are going to remember. That's what they're going to tell their friends about, just like you did with your friends about the golfing experience. And uh, that's just why it's so important. We review all of our processes and what we're offering and how we're delivering it and make sure there's no areas of tripping up. Yeah. Exactly. Great. Well, mine, mine is very, very short, but you know what? There actually is a connection dealing with food and serving food. Um, Great. This is a very short one. I just want to kind of give a big shout out to people that are in this position that are doing this right. I had the, the joy and honor of going to a middle school today to have lunch and part of a program where I go and spend some time there with some students and, and talk and, and get to enjoy lunch with them. And part of the perks of doing that is I get to have cafeteria lunch food from a middle school. Um, Yum. I know. I know. Isn't that great? <laughs> um, <laughs> so I get to enjoy the food. And today I had the honor of getting square pizza, which I have not had in years. Uh, square pizza with the little cubed pepperonis on it, um, exactly yes. like I would envision in my, uh, my, my, my flashbacks to, to my elementary school days. So I got to have this pizza, but, but my customer service experience is, is that every, every week when I go to, uh, to go have this lunch, every time I go through this line, uh, there are a series of people working behind the counter that are serving the food. And I remember back when I was a kid, I don't remember these, these employees being the most customer service friendly people in the world. Maybe I was just a kid and maybe I didn't recognize it. But as an adult now looking at the situation and knowing the kind of environment that they're in, these are middle school students, which I have the utmost respect for anybody teaching and leading middle schoolers because that is a very difficult age. These kids, are going through, these kids are going through a lot of changes, a lot of emotions. That is a very difficult time to be trying to guide and lead these kids. But these people working in this cafeteria, everybody's smiling. Everybody's saying hello, good morning, good afternoon. Every time I come through the line, they are just very, very effusive and just very uh, nice to talk to. And it's not just me being the adult wearing a name badge. It's all the other kids too. I know the kids don't appreciate it. But I tell you what, that is just it makes it so much nicer that even as I'm having to eat these green beans that look like they just came out of a can and barely got heated up, uh, (laughs) it still made it worthwhile to go through and just see that everybody's having a good time with their job. So I guess it's more of a just a reminder to all of us. I mean, even if sometimes the situations we're in, the people we have to deal with are not always the most appreciative of what we're doing. Uh, Maybe uh, maybe the environment's not exactly what we're always wanting day in, day out. It's still very important to show that, that, that enthusiasm, to show that, that joy for what you're doing and reminding yourself of what you are doing is the greater meaning sometimes when you're, when you're helping people. Uh, that does show and people do remember that. And here it is hours later and I can still visualize these people working at this lunchroom and how just you know, really hospitable they are and happy to be there and, and happy to be serving the people they're serving. So anyway, like I said, very well, simple let, and short. So, 
Yeah, and that, that's a wonderful story. It's a wonderful thing that you do. And, and really, it's interesting how similar that is to my story. Because in my story, it was a great hot dog, great chips, the drink, great golf course. But it was that attitude of indifference, <laughs> that that attitude that they, they couldn't care less to get the order. I couldn't care less to apologize. It really soured me uh, on that part of the experience. And for you, that maybe the food wasn't the greatest, you know, maybe the environment wasn't the greatest, but that wonderful attitude really had a, a huge positive impression uh, on you about the experience. So it's amazing how much attitudes can impact overall perception. So many people think it's all about the product, 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 but the attitude with which it's delivered can either sour a great experience, a potentially great experience, or, or make what might be a potential mediocre experience that much better. Uh, no, I agree. Now I will say the pizza I thought was actually pretty good. Uh, the, rest of, <laughs> the rest of the food. I love that. That yeah. pizza growing up. I remember it distinctly. Uh, the rest of the food, eh, maybe not so much, but, um, but you're exactly right. I, I remember the people. I remember the experience. Gosh, if it had been a horrible customer service experience with people frowning and just throwing food out to me, yeah, that would have just made that entire experience really uh, something I'd wish to forget. But absolutely, shining attitudes and uh, sparkling personalities can put a great gloss over any type of situation with that. You're right. So, great. Okay, so some good food-related stories, and you were able to tie yours into golf. So there's kind of a little synergy going on there with our stories. Not too bad. Definitely. Yeah. Well, Ed, thanks so much for your time today. I think we had a good episode talking about resolving complaints like you score in golf, and then we got to share our, our customer service experiences that we had recently. Um, just uh, as a reminder to anybody, if you're interested in learning more about Ed and what his company does with customer service solutions, you can visit them at cssamerica.com. I'm at the Jackson Group, which is thejacksongroup.com for employee and customer satisfaction surveys as well as leadership development. Uh, You're listening to The Mesh, which uh, we appreciate that. Appreciate all the support of our listeners. Hope you've had a chance to go to the website and listen to even more of our programs. We have a great program on leadership called Leadership GPS. We've got one on kind of new technology and gadgets called New Stuff. We've got uh, several others. We've got some sports shows. We've got some other uh, programs on there, entertainment, uh, kind of some nice fun ones as well. So I definitely encourage you to check that out when you get a chance. That's at themesh.tv. That's T-H-E-M-E-S-H.tv. And if you've got some feedback for us, we would love to hear from you about not only this show, this episode, but any of the shows on the Mesh Network. You can always visit the Mesh at our website. You can send in an email at info at themesh.tv. There's also a contact us page right on the front page of the website that you can easily go to and just fill out a simple form and send it to us and we'll make sure we respond to you. And we also have a mesh line, which is a voice line where you can call, leave a voice message. And if it's something we can use on the show or something to give us some feedback, we'd love to listen to it and maybe possibly use it in a future episode. That number is 828-619-0048. Again, 828-619-0048 for calling the Mesh Line. So we just appreciate all the, uh, all the support. We appreciate all the feedback. Let us know what you think of any of the shows. We'd love to hear from you. So with that, Ed, thanks so much for joining me today. And uh, thank you, Skype, for participating with us for the last 50 or so minutes. <laughs> it, uh, it did well. It held up pretty good for us. It yeah, did great. And thank good. you uh, for the invite, Alan. Absolutely. And Ed, we'll look forward to talking to you next time. Uh, For Stepping Up Service, this is Alan and Ed. We'll talk to you next time. Take care. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.